At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Okay, if you would open your Bibles tonight. There were on the back table um, some outlines. If you did not get an outline, I think I'm going to ask uh, Taylor. And uh, if you didn't get an outline, you need one, just slip your hand in the air. Maybe somebody, looks like pretty much everybody has one, Taylor. You might be, be careful just in case. All right, I have some. Um, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 this morning, Philippians, or this evening. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. If you didn't get, uh, Taylor's got them in his hand, so if you need, uh, if you need one, just uh, slip your hand up there in the air. Thank you, Taylor, very much for doing that. Philippians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse number 3. The Bible says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you with all making request with joy. Tonight, the title of the message is simple, The Joy of Prayer. And as we look at that tonight and really have, uh, if you will, the, the, the thoughts of, of prayer and the foundation, this passage right here in verse 3, it talks about, I thank, the, the, it gives great foundation for prayer on thankfulness on remembrance, and then verse number four, on joy. But today we're going to look at the one of the most neglected aspects of this, and that is truly joy, I think it is. Uh, that communion with God. I don't know about you, but I love to talk to my wife. A joy. It's, it's, it is a joy. It's something that we look, I look forward to. And tonight, I hope, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see some, some principles, if you will, from the Word of God on how our prayer life should have that aspect of joy. So let's open in a word of prayer. And uh, before we begin, Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for folks that have come out today. And Lord, I just thank you how you work above and beyond what we can ask or think. Father, we do pray that uh, you'll work in our hearts as we look into your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The joy of prayer. Prayer, that communication, that communion with the Lord, that communion with God and taking and having that close times. Often, have you ever thought about prayer? Often, it could, we, we, we have the prayer of desperation. You know, uh, I didn't understand that until I got into some of those theology classes in college. You know, that prayer of desperation. Uh, only, <laughs> only that praying during the complete loss of hope. And you drop your head and you say, Lord, you've, you've got to take care of that. Is your prayer life only a prayer of desperation or is it a prayer of duty? Um, you know, that, that something that is an obligation that is required, something that is an obligation that, you know, I, I, you know, I got to pray, you know, I, I got to pray. Is it just an obligation or is it drudgery? Have you ever thought about that? Not joy at all. It's... It's laborious, it's dull. I've told you this before in, in services, and, and I think this is a, just a wonderful quote, if you will. This is not original with me. Service without surrender is slavery. And I do believe that prayer without surrender is slavery. You ever think about that? But service without surrender is slavery. And many times we're not surrendered to just that, that joy and it's drudgery and it's, it's dull and you feel like, oh, is that your prayer life? 
I hope it's not. I really do. Oftentimes, our prayer life patterns these things, and we leave out the joy of communicating with our Lord. Tonight, we're going to look at that. Really, the word joy in, the, in this Greek text is uh, exceeding gladness. Exceeding gladness is a far cry from that desperation and that drudgery. Exceeding gladness is a far cry from having something of, of no hope and of, of, of dull life. It should be an experience of gladness. In the Bible, now I did not look this up. I did not count it, but it's over 500 references to prayer. I take my studies and my concordances to truth on those things. So there's just over 500 different aspects of prayer and different relations to prayer in the Bible. So tonight we're going to look at why should we have joy in our prayer. So the first one we've got on here is just simple. It's because of Jesus' example. It's because of our Lord Jesus Christ and his example in prayer that we should have joy in prayer. Have you ever thought about it? The one to go to, the Lord himself, gave us a great example about prayer. In Luke chapter 10, verse number 21, um, and you've got the passage there, but in Luke chapter 10, verse number 21, the Bible says this. I'll never find it in John. There we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, has revealed them unto the babes, even so, Father, so it seemed good in thy sight. The first part of that passage there in Luke chapter number 10, the, the, the 70 were sent out into the harvest field. You see, the, the, the harvest tree is plenteous, uh, laborers are few. They're sent out into the harvest, the first 16 verses. But then you come to verse number 17, and they come back. They just return back from the harvest, and they begin to give their reports. They report that they had received great power from God. They were excited about their evangelism. And you can see that Christ immediately went to prayer in the first part of verse number 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. And then he goes directly into prayer. Many times when we see the direct hand of God answering prayer, well, we should just rejoice over him. And I love Wednesday night prayer services for prayer requests and praises. So many times we have so many things to praise about. Just to praise the Lord. Amen. Going directly to him in rejoicing. Many times we, we sing a song. Man of sorrows. Often people think of Jesus as the man of sorrows. Yes, he was a man of sorrows. But he was so much more. Galatians 5.22, you know the passage. You can look it up, but once I begin to quote it, you'll know the passage. Galatians 5.22, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But you can see that joy. Christ was a man of sorrow, but he was so much more. He was that inner joy above everything else. Joy in the presence of communication with the Lord. When is the last time? Now, going back to this passage in Luke chapter, chapter 10, verse number 21, where it's talking about he rejoiced in the Spirit. When is the last time that we have gone into prayer 
with an uncontained joy. Have you thought about it? Now, I know you probably have. I know there's been times in my prayer life where you just go to prayer and you are, wow, you have seen God working and, and, and Lord may have just answered a prayer that has been heavy on your heart for years. And you have that uncontained joy and you're just, you're just praying and weeping and just excited. And when's the last time you've done that? Have you done that? An uncontained joy. If you think about it, why can we do it? Why can, why can we have that uncontained joy? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20. If we know that all of his promises are true, all of his promises are true, we can have that uncontained joy in prayer. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, it says, For all the promises in God, in him, are yea, and in him, amen unto the glory of God by us. Knowing that his very promises are true, knowing that we can take this book and we can, we can literally place our complete and total dependence upon every aspect of this book. Every aspect. We know it's true. And all of his promises are yea. We can go to prayer with rejoicing in our heart, just saying, Lord, I, I don't know the end from the beginning, but I know that your promises are true. And I know that you will not leave us nor forsake us. And you can start quoting promises back to him. Have you ever thought, what can you give the Savior of the world? We can give him our life. But he has, you know, he gave his life for us anyhow. Give him his word. Boy, memorize the word and quote it back and during prayer time and just uncontained joy. Knowing that his promises are true, knowing that he understands and he cares. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 8. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 8. <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 8. But unto the Son saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God... Even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Knowing that he understands. We have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We can go to prayer with that uncontained joy. Because it's his example. So not only is it Jesus' example, we can go to prayer because of his example. Secondly, we can go to prayer because of his presence. Because of Jesus' presence in prayer, we can go there. Psalm 16, verse number 11. I'm going to have you going back into the Old Testament, but I know you can get there. Psalm chapter 16. Well, there is no chapters in the book of Psalms. So the 16th Psalm, verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Are you happy? Are you happy? Tell your face. Yeah, if you rejoice in the Lord, smile about it. Let people know it. Yes, I am joyful in his presence. There is fullness of joy. Think about that for a minute. We have the creator of the universe, and he wants to spend time with us? My. Our joy, it's sourced in that presence. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 8. 
1 Peter 1, verse number 8, our joy is sourced in there. 1 Peter 1, verse 8, number 8. The Bible says this, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though if not uh, now, I'm sorry, I was trying to quote it. Uh, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What a wonderful, wonderful prayer time. Just with that fullness of joy. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15. Hebrews 4, 15. Our joy is sourced in His presence. Our security is sourced in His presence. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Verse number 16, I think, is one of the most important passages. I love this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you go boldly to the throne of grace? And it, and it tells us that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But when we pray... What amazing truth. When we pray, we are going to the very throne room of God. I was born and raised Catholic. I did not accept the Lord as my Savior, and many of you know this, did not accept the Lord as my Savior until the end of uh, uh, Desert Storm, Push and Gulf War era. Um, I, I was invited to an evangelistic crusade uh, and uh, went, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. Being born and raised Catholic, I did not understand that I could come to Christ with my prayers. I didn't understand that. I didn't know that. All through our catechisms and our growing up as kids, we took and we, we had to go into the little room with the little veil curtain and the priest would be on the other side and, and you would confess your sins to the priest and, and then he would tell you what you needed to do to have those sins forgiven and you would have to say certain prayers or you'd have to do certain things in order to have those prayers forgiven. That's not joy. Joy is when you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Say, Lord... I am trusting in you. That is joy. Joy in the presence of the Lord. He's our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25. Hebrews 7, 25. He's our intercessor. 1 John chapter, I won't look those up. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He is our advocate. That's what he's doing today. As you go to the throne room of God, and you are able to talk directly in prayer to your advocates and to your Lord and to your intercessor, Christ. Because of his presence, we can have joy. That's joy. As believers, you should have a prayer life that is just full of joy. Almost, if you will, Bapticostal. I mean, just praising God over everything. Amen. So it's because of example, because of his presence, and because there's strength in prayer. Do you believe it? Do you believe that there is strength, power in prayer? I hope so. I do. 
Acts chapter 1, verse number 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. This is just before the time of Pentecost and, and, and oh, so much of the persecution and the times that were going on. And Acts chapter 1, verse number 14, it says this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. There was power in that prayer. And you look at Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter number 2, the preceding of the coming of the Holy Spirit and that power that's in there. And then let's go all the way up to Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Acts chapter 12. So you've got that Acts chapter 1 prayer where they were in one accord. They had that one, literally that one passion for prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, you see another passion for prayer. And here it says the entire church, if you will, they were all gathered together. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Okay, I'm simple-minded. Without ceasing. That's pretty neat. You know, I looked it up. You know what it means? Without ceasing. Continuous. Continuous prayer. That's a time of rejoicing. Knowing that you have that opportunity of praying and having your prayers answered. You know what's powerful? You've got on your paper several things that are powerful. First off, what is powerful is Wednesday night prayer meetings. They're powerful. Wednesday night prayer meetings are powerful. As a body, we come together and we pray. We break in and it, it, it opens up that very throne room of God. Wednesday night prayer meetings are powerful. And if you ever waver and say, you know, I'm just not sure if I want to go to a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Oh, go, go. One thing that I have passion for is small churches, obviously. Um, you know, being as, as a church planter up in Hayden, you know, me, <laughs> I look out and we have a very nice Wednesday night crowd here. But uh, there'd be times in Hayden when you'd look out and your, your family's the only one there and half of them are sick. Uh, you know, and you, you're going, and, and, and many of you that are pastors of, or have been pastors of small churches know what you're talking about. You look out and you've got one person. One person that came to that prayer meeting. One. I praise the Lord. It says where two or more are gathered. It's powerful. Wednesday night prayer meetings are powerful. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. Not only Wednesday night prayer meetings are powerful, but Matthew chapter 18, and I just quoted the passage. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Not only Wednesday night prayer meetings are powerful, small group prayer meetings are powerful. Get together and you have a small group. And, and, and I've seen Bible studies, you know, two, three, four, five people. We used to drive from Hayden an hour and 15 minutes one way. And we would go over... 
in that area, you've got to go over top of passes to get anywhere. But we would drop down into, and some of you know the, the towns up there of Yampa and Oak Creek and those little, little bitty towns. We dropped down into, into Oak Creek. We did a Bible study in Oak Creek. And uh, it was an hour and 15 minutes one way. Small group, just one person there. But it was powerful. Powerful. Never underestimate the power of prayer and the joy in it. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30. Now I beseech you therefore, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Wednesday night prayer meeting is powerful. Small group prayer meeting is powerful. Unity in prayer is powerful. Striving together. Unity in prayer. Now, I was, I was uh, introduced by Pastor Dobson so graciously as the horseshoeing preacher. And yes, my tent-making ministry, yes. But as you are around horses, many of you in this room, and I'll pick now on Pastor Dobson since he used to plow with horses. <laughs> no, he possibly did not. Okay, maybe he did. So as you, as you think about the two horses working together, if you have a team, you will get much done. But when one horse is out of unison, when one horse is not working, to, pulling together, when one horse is not doing its duty, the other horse labors harder. The work is not done. The same thing is in a church. If we do not have the unity and that spirit and the bonds and that peace, that prayer time is not as precious. There's that joy. Unity in prayer. Common bond. Unity in prayer is powerful. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10. Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. Nehemiah chapter number 8 and verse number 10. Page 537. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat fat and drink the sweet, and the sin portions of them that whom is prepared. For this day is holy unto your Lord. Neither be ye sorry, grieved, or pained. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what else is powerful? Simple joy. Joy is powerful. Joy in prayer is powerful. When you pray, ask, knowing. Hmm, that joy in prayer. If you don't have a lot of joy in prayer, you're, you're, gonna, it, it's, you're a miss. You don't see that power and that strength. Joy can overcome those sufferings and trials. Joy empowers you to the Lord's work. Um, I had an opportunity just a couple weeks ago to get a glimpse of what some of you may go through, have gone through in your life. Just a glimpse of it. And that glimpse of it affected me pretty hard. Many of you don't know it, but many of you do know that a glimpse affected me pretty hard. 
when I went and, and picked up Nathaniel from Powderhorn and brought him down into a valley, Grand Valley, he was born and raised here. Born, and raised, or born at St. Mary's Hospital, raised up here on Orchard Mesa, born and raised here. We're coming into Grand Valley. I said, Nathan, where are we at? He says, I don't know. So you don't recognize this area? He says, I don't know where we're at. I had a small glimpse of seeing what it's like to see when you, when you have trials in your life and you have... Now, I praise the Lord. His memory is good. I, I, I praise the Lord for that. Now, you know, a couple, three weeks later after the concussion, things are good. But at that point, I had that small glimpse of saying, wow, am I going to joy over this? Am I going to say, Lord, thank you for this situation you've just placed us in? Or am I going to say, why did you do this to me? What am I going to do? Joy even in that time when there's suffering, joy in that time when there's trials, and the Lord empowers us through his work. So we have joy because of his example, because strength, uh, because of his presence and strength, and then the result, the, rejo- the result of a joy-filled life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Look, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. There's endurance. If you have true joy in prayer, you're going to endure the times when you don't want to pray. You can look forward to it. Endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, I got to go back to one specific day. One specific day. Y'all were not, I don't think anybody in this room was there. August 21st, 1993. I do know when it was. Oh. August 21st, 1993, my wedding. You know what I did? And you men, you did the same thing. I was standing up there on that little podium, and I was looking. I was waiting for her to walk around the back and walk down the aisle. I was looking. That anticipation, that desire... And you know what it was doing that day in Grand Junction, Colorado in August? It's called the monsoon season. Who would have an outdoor wedding during the monsoon season? It was raining on us. Outdoor wedding. Cowboy hats. You know, you look down and the water comes off your brim and just fills your Bible full of water. Oh, it was good. Unity candle, wooden lights. Father-in-law's out there with a mop trying to mop the... It was... But you know what? If water is a picture of the presence of the Holy Spirit, he was there. (laughs) But I was... Man, I'd have endured anything for that moment. Anything. It's that endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. When we have that joy in our prayer... When we have that desire, there's nothing going to stop us from praying to our Lord. Nothing. The result of a joy-filled life is endurance, and then also it's answers. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 14. 1 John 5, 14. And I know I've got you going back and forth, and it's, it's really kind of good. We get our fingers nimble. 1 John 5, 14. 
And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's submission. Submission unto God's will. There's answers. Now, I'm not going to go into the depths of this. But it is ultimately submission unto the Lord, to the Lord's will in our life. The joy of knowing that your prayers are answered. John chapter 11, verse number 40. John 11, verse number 40. Actually, verse number 40 through 42. John chapter 11, verse number 40. Jesus saith unto her, Say not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. When they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stood by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. The answer of prayer. Do you know, beyond a shout of a doubt, when you pray that you have that close communion of joy? You can talk to the Lord right there. I'm going to finish with Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse number 24. I probably do not need to have you turn to it. You might not know the reference, but I'm sure you know the verse. Psalm 118, verse number 24. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will. So that means in the morning when we wake up, there's that joy in the presence of the Lord. Spending your time in the Word, spending your time in prayer. Joy is not an emotion. Think about that. Joy in prayer. It's a choice. We choose to have that joy. Because of what Christ has done, because of who Christ is, because of how we see him work in our lives, we choose to have that joy. And we choose to give that thanks. If we base our prayer life on emotion, it will be weak, at least. It will be. But if we base our prayer life on the joy of the Lord and the time spent with him, you'll see amazing things done. Amazing prayers answered. What a joy to spend time with our Creator. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the folks here. Lord, I do pray that uh, as we go into uh, the rest of the evening and with the prayer time, Lord, that you will be, you'll be glorified. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Para Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10:13 tells us for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead. 
then you may right now pray, and according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Fair Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.